Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Well guys, um, greetings to you, uh, family and friends here at Highway and also those at home watching this. Uh, all the greetings. Uh, and blessings in the name of Jesus. And yes, it's great to be, I have the privilege of standing here again. And as Steve said, there's a two-part um, preach uh, today and also at the same time next week. The first part is basically um, our relationship, both of them about our sonship and our relationship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And um, the first one now is basically just talking about kingdom values, kingdom culture, kingdom vision, and also the DNA and identity of sons of God. So, um, yeah, so looking forward to, to next week as well, because next week I'll be talking about our relationship and how when we establish that kingdom culture, the kingdom values, um, and when we experience the manifestation of His grace and His power and His provision in every area of our lives, that is when we take huge ground and that manifests in our lives and it just enhances everything that we do. And it's total and complete provision um, that we begin to walk in. So that's what I'm going to be chatting on. So for today, yeah, um, for us to be able to go where God wants to take us individually and as a church um, in this challenging season. We can't allow ourselves to be swayed by winds of doctrine, um, to be swayed by the opinions of men. We can't afford to be double-minded or deceived in any way either, but rather diligent, steadfast, and founded on the rock, clear about our DNA, identity uh, as sons of the Most High God, with an un unobscured vision of kingdom values, of kingdom culture, and who God has called us to be as sons of the Most High God. If we get that, if we, if we get our identity, and if we have a clear vision, then we can walk clearly, we can walk in a straight line, and we can take the ground that we need to and walk into all the things that God has called us to as His sons. Amen. So I'm only going to put keys, you know, a couple of scriptures up on the overhead. Um, and most of the others I'm going to refer to. Uh, I'm just going to go to, we've been chatting about this over the last few weeks. Um, Matthew 11 verse 12. Just, if you've got your Bibles here, just take it out um, and have a look at Matthew 11 verse 12. I'm reading from the God's Word translation, um, and this is what it says. From the time of John the baptizer until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful people have been seizing it. I love that translation. <laughs> it, it, it kind of puts things into perspective, because a lot of the, the other ones seem to be a bit vague, you know. But forcefully advancing and forceful people have, have been seizing it. And so, what does it mean to forcefully advance, and how do we seize it? 
to me, to forcefully advance means that simply um, it'll always be against the wind. There's always going to be obstacles and difficulties. It's never just going to be easy. It's never going to be a breeze. Uh, moving forward, it's going to be stuff that we're always going to encounter things against us. We're not just going to somehow walk in and everything's just great. That's what it means to, to me to uh, forcefully advance. And forceful people, uh, to me, is also people living transcending lives. And lives that are beyond performance, beyond circumstance, and beyond momentary difficulty, above that. And, and that's what God is calling his sons to do, to live transcending lives, to live lives beyond performance and beyond circumstances. So how do we seize it? How do we seize? What does it mean when we seize and take hold of it? I believe that to seize it, we need to take ground. And that we take ground when kingdom values, kingdom culture, and kingdom provision actually become manifest in our lives. When they're actually happening. Because we can talk about it as much as we want. And we can think about it as much as we want. And we can talk about the revelation that we have as much as we want. But until we actually put it into practice and walk in it, uh, then we are not forcefully advancing. We are not seizing it. We are not making it our own. Amen? That's what I, mean, I believe it means to seize it. And um, that's the important thing. And, and there are always going to be stuff obstructing us to, to get there. And that's why, um, unless we have a clear kingdom vision and a firm understanding of our DNA, of our identities as sons, the great stuff that we've been taught all the time sounds really good. And it is good and interesting. But if we don't have the power and the perseverance, the persistence, the tenacity to apply what we've learned and, and make it real in our lives, then we are not taking ground. Amen. So, if we, if we don't put it into practice, it's not going to be established in our lives, and then we can't seize it and take hold of it, and then we're not taking ground. Having said all that, what, what I'm busy kind of unpacking today is the stuff that, the kind of culture that's going to ensure that we walk in the identity and the DNA of the sons of God then we will be able to take that ground. We will be able to forcefully advance. Amen. Okay, so let's start talking about the DNA and identity of the sons of God. In John 8, verse 35, it says, A servant has no permanent place in a family, but a son belongs to it forever. A servant has no permanent place. Here today and gone tomorrow. But a son is a son forever. I love that. We're not orphans, we are not slaves, we are not servants, we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. So ladies, just to be clear, when I talk about sons, I'm also talking about daughters. Uh, but there's actually no gender in the kingdom. So we are all sons. I hope that doesn't offend anyone in any way. <laughs> um, okay, so we are all sons of God. So, Steve, can you put on the overhead, Matthew 3, 
verse 16 and 17. Okay, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And we just note there that Jesus hadn't even begun his ministry. And, um, and as far as we are aware, he hadn't even performed his first miracle yet. But he has his father declaring his love and affirmation <laughs> over his, his son Jesus. And um, it just shows, you know, that it's our, our sonship is not about, you know, what we do, what we don't do. It's about who we are. It's about who we are. And, um, and I believe that with the scripture, it's, it, that, that this time and this place when Jesus was being baptized, and, and when the, the, the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus, I believe that that's where Jesus became the Christ, the anointed one. The Holy Spirit anointed him for his ministry on earth. And through the same Spirit, he received the Spirit of Sonship. And soon thereafter, the same Holy Spirit led him into the desert to be tested. <laughs> so, but we'll come to a bit more of that a bit later on. Um, so let's focus a bit on the sons of God and the spirit of sonship. We're the sons of light. We're the children of God. We are sons and heirs, and we share with Jesus in all things. We don't do what we do in order that we may become. We do what we do because we have a revelation that we already are sons of the Most High God. Sons of God are empowered to live transcending lives and are not limited to or governed by performance or circumstance. Whatever we do flows directly out of our revelation and our identity as sons of the Father's household. Adverse circumstances are viewed by sons as an opportunity to affirm their calling. It's an opportunity to affirm your calling. So I'm just going to put Romans 8, verse 14 to 18 up now on the overhead. Uh, and this is about the spirit of sonship. Um, this is really a key scripture. So for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. But you have received the spirit of adoption. And we'll come to that a bit later, but the whole reason for the finished work of the cross was that God could make a way where there was no way so that we could be adopted as his sons and then we could be with him and reign and rule with him throughout the whole of eternity. That is the crux of the finished work of the cross. It was about us. It wasn't about what God did for us, although <laughs> everything he did was totally amazing and outrageous. But it's not about what he did for us. It's about 
why he did all those things. And he made a way for us to be his sons because he desperately wants to spend forever with each and every single one of us because he loves us so much. Sure. So, yeah, it carried away there. And so, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's amazing to, yeah, um, as sons, the only place to be is in the center of God's will, irrespective of whether it's an easy place or a difficult place, because that's where His grace, His power, and His provision will be, irrespective of whether it's good or whether it's, it's an easy place. We all know Luke 4, verse 1 to 3, when the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert to be tested. The desert is a place where your sonship is tested and affirmed. This test is always about sonship. It's the foundation of Jesus' ministry. And so it's a test about his sonship. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. What does the devil know about sonship? But when you're in the desert, he wants to get you into performance mode. He wants to get you to prescribe to you and to cause you to doubt your sonship and ultimately to get you to succumb to your circumstances. That's what the whole, the whole ploy is. Do you feel like you're in the desert? Right now. Are you in a hard place right now? Just because you're in the desert doesn't mean that you aren't a son. It simply means that you have a great opportunity to uh, affirm your sonship. That scripture that we just read, it just... In verses 17 and 18, it says, Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we may also share in his glory, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. And I just want to say that if you're in a hard place and you are suffering, it's just a confirmation that you're going to share in the glory that Jesus has aside for you. It's confirmation that you're going to share in everything. Because when we share in his suffering, we also become partakers in the glory that he has in store for us. Jesus overcame every single test by quoting the Word of God. With every test, he said, it is written. And as sons, also, this is how we overcome. To every single test that comes our way, we also respond and we say, it is written. We come into agreement with what is written, with the Word of God. We stand in agreement with God's Word. We stand in agreement that we are who God says who we are as his sons. We stand in agreement that we do have everything 
that God says that we have through the finished work of the cross. We stand in agreement that we do have the full power and authority of the kingdom and that we can do all that God says that we can do. Amen. And we know Jesus said, you will do greater things. You will do the greater things. And we trust God and we say we have the ability and the power to do all the greater things that God has called us to. And when we come into agreement with God's word and we begin to put it into practice, we begin to take ground and we also see the most amazing victories and provision being released in every area of our lives. And it says in Luke 4.14 that it says Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit of Sonship. He allowed himself to be tested so that his sonship could be affirmed. And he demonstrated clearly that he was ready to be released into his ministry and into his calling. Jesus never came to show us what God can do. He came, he laid aside his majesty. And Jesus came to show us what a man can do, anointed and filled with the full power of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of sonship. Amen. Jesus laid aside his majesty. Jesus decided to leave his majesty and lay it aside. And what Jesus did, we can do. And he told us, he even said, you can do what I'm doing and you can even do greater things. And so we, we, we receive that. We say, Jesus, thank you that you showed us what a man can do. And he wasn't ashamed to call himself the son of man. And he showed us what a man can do, walking in the full power of the Holy Spirit. Our destiny is not defined by our momentary difficulties, by adverse circumstances, but rather by a loving, all-powerful Father who has spoken His destiny over each one of us. For when we were still enemies of God, dead in our sins, He raised us up and He seated us in the heavenly realm with Christ Jesus. And He adopted us as His sons and heirs. Wow, wow, how awesome is that? Why did you do that, God? Why, how could you do that for us, God? And God says, I did that so that in the ages to come, we can talk about the richness of my mercy, about the richness of my goodness towards you. When you're standing before me, we're going to talk about it. And you say, wow, 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 God, how? And God's saying, yeah, it was great, wasn't it? It was. I am merciful. Hey, I am great. I am good. And we're just going to be overawed. And you know what? We had absolutely nothing to do with it. And that is the best part about it. Our, our circumstances can never hold us down unless we allow them to. We are irrepressible in God. And because through the cross, God has spoken a better word over each one of us. Saying, you are my beloved son. You are seated with Christ 
and you already share with Christ in an inheritance in all things. There's no higher calling than to be a son of God. It's impossible to top it. And you find many people spending their lives trying to be who they already are, but they don't know that they spend their whole lives trying to be who they already are. It's pointless. Just receive it and live it out. And so we count ourselves worthy to share in the suffering of Jesus. So often, we want to exclude that from our theology, don't we? About suffering and difficult times. But um, we know that when we share any suffering, we are merely con- it's merely confirmation that we will also share in his glory and, and in his inheritance. So who's suffering right now? Who's in a hard place? Be encouraged. Because it's just simple confirmation that you're going to share in his glory. And you're going to share in his inheritance in all things. Amen. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. God has big faith for his son. He laid his life down for us. And he wants to take risks for his kingdom. He's given us lots of room um, to make mistakes because that's how we're going to learn. When we fail, he's never ashamed of us. He's big enough to take every mistake, every failing, and turn it to our good. He always receives us. He never turns us away. And God never writes his sons off. We just look at the story of the prodigal and we see God clearly saying something very special to us that he'll never ever write any of his sons off. And yet we are all too quick to write one another off. And I wonder where we, we, we got that from. We've never failed until we fail. And as long as we keep going back to God, we will always be victorious. And if we just look at Peter versus Judas, and we will understand that. We just look at David, and we will understand that. As long as we go back, we'll always be victorious, because God will always receive us, and He will always forgive, and He will always bring us back to a better place than we even were before. His heart is always to bless His Son, to cause us to be victorious, to help us overcome every difficulty and every obstacle that we may encounter. Taking away the obstacles all the time can be unhelpful. What is helpful is God's loving, caring, guiding hand, training, teaching, equipping, helping to overcome every difficulty because sons of the kingdom are courageous overcomers. God doesn't keep things from us. He keeps things, keeps things for us, and then he gives them to us at exactly the right time. Isn't that amazing? We, a, lot, a lot of the time we feel, God, we are praying about something and praying, and it's not happening. It's just not happening. And we forget about it. Then all of a sudden, whoops, there it is. And it's exactly at the right time. And that's, that's the heart of our dad. And he, he desires a real, open, loving relationship with us. Uh, Jesus modeled this with his father, and 
you hear him saying, I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father say. So the more time we spend in the father's presence, the clearer we can hear what he is saying, the more we, we are able to see what he's doing, and then the easier it is to follow. And Jesus' heart is always to do what pleases his father, and we see that right all the way through. Um, that has been his earnest desire. That, that has never changed, and it will never change. It's like Jesus is always put at the forefront of everything that he ever did to spend time with his dad and um, to please his dad. And you see how often he took time apart just so that he could spend quality time, you know, with the Father in the Father's presence. Um, and I believe those times really, really empowered him to, to go through all the things that he, he did do and they empowered him to, to be able to... Um, be victorious over every challenge, over every test that he faced was those times that he spent with his dad. God has amazing plans for his son. He, he predestined us in Christ to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. And we are Jesus' brothers and we are God's sons. God wants his sons to reign and rule with Jesus from his right hand. We live our lives from the right hand of God, from our position in Christ, um, exactly where God placed us in Ephesians 2 verse 6, uh, as I read just now, that when we were dead in our sins and trespasses, God raised us up and he seated us. He seated us in heavenly places. And so we as sons, we take authority from that position. Where we are right now, each one of us, we are seated in that position. We are seated at the right hand of God. We're not somehow trying to break through from heaven to earth or from earth to heaven, (laughs) right? Um, But we are actually seated there already in heavenly places. And whatever authority we're taking, we're taking that authority from our position in Christ and we, we are then, from that position, we are calling things that are not as though they were. And we take authority over demonic forces and over evil, and we co- command them to be gone in the name of Jesus. Amen. And, but we are commanding from our position at the right hand of God in Christ as sons of God. We're not trying to break through and like, you know, a bit of a battering ram. But we take in authority with confidence from the right hand of God. But we take full authority and we manage our lives and our household. And we'll manage, we'll, we'll, we manage our household because it's our family and our business. And then we submit everything to our loving Father. Our revelation of sonship and our identity in Christ impacts everything that we do the motivation, the reasons, the outcomes, and the fruit of our behavior, ministry, freedom, our servanthood, submission, leadership, faith, courage, uh, gospel boldness, generosity, self-control, loving people, and and our enemies, (laughs) provision, 
and so on and so on. It affects absolutely everything. And um, the reason and motive for everything that we do flows out of our revelation of sonship to the ministry of the spirit of sonship. We don't do what we do out of a sense of duty. We don't do what we do because we are obliged to do it. We don't do what we do because we are under performance pressure. Whatever we do in every area of our lives flows naturally out of our sonship. We love our dad. We stoke to be sons of his household. And our greatest desire is to be with him and to please him. And that's why we do what we do. The, revel- the revelation of sonship is a call to sanctification. You are already a son. You don't have to try and be one. You are already a son. So just receive it and live it out. Amen. A culture of honor flows naturally through the power of sonship in our lives. We learn to love and honor God and one another by closely observing how the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit relate to and submit to one another. As sons, we learn from our Father. We need to know that He only disciplines us because He loves us and accepts us as His sons. And we see that in Hebrews 12, verse 7. Sons serve with their heart. They give their heart to the Father. And the Father takes their heart and He tunes their heart into his heart um, and his nature and his character. Almost like, like tuning a guitar, guitar strings. The more time we spend in the Father's presence, the more we are empowered through his grace, the more we become like him. And we see that in Mark 3 verse 14, it's always relationship before function. Because Jesus, it says, Jesus called his disciples so that they might be with him. That's the first thing that that scripture says. That they might be with him. And then it talks about the ministry. And whatever we do, it's always about relationship first. It's not function, it's relationship. With our father, with our brothers and sisters, it's about people and, and, and relationship. And then our function will flow naturally out of that. And our Father just loves to be with us. He loves to be with His Son. And we're, we, we are accepted unconditionally by, by our Father because of who we are. As I've said, not because of what we do, but because of who we are as His sons. I love my children for who they are. I love them for the, from the first time that I ever clapped eyes on them, every one of them, before they were screaming and purring. You know, they didn't, didn't have to do a thing, and I was absolutely, totally besotted. And, you know, that, that is exactly what God is actually saying. It's like, you know what, <laughs> the first time I ever dreamed about you, the first time I ever saw you, um, I was just head over heels in love with you. You didn't have to do anything. And, um, yeah, for me, the, the thing that exerts the greatest power over my life right now and forever, is just knowing that I will always be a son of God in the household of God. Um, there's never a time that I will not be a son of God. 
and knowing that God's love is unconditional, it's eternal, and that is always there for me. Um, that I'm accepted, that I am a son forever. That is, that is the thing that truly empowers me, um, that God is rejoicing and celebrating over me.